The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. If you have a Bible, we will be looking at Colossians 2. I am sorry that I do not have any slides for this because um, I was a slacker and I just didn't get any slides made. I'm sorry. Um, I also didn't have any sweet graphics because this is just kind of a one-off in terms of what we're looking at. So... Uh, We're going to be looking at Colossians 2, verses 1 to 8, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to to read these verses for us, and then we'll pray for God's help, and we will look at this together. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom all in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Father, as we look to your word I pray that you would strengthen our hearts and all the mystery and wisdom and knowledge and beauty of who Jesus is. That we would be encouraged in him and that we would encourage each other in Jesus and so protect each other by making grateful hearts in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. As we are making this transition um, and walking into Thanksgiving, I have to say I'm incredibly grateful that but on the top list, one of the top things on my heart as we're walking to Thanksgiving is that I get to be in a family of Jesus with you guys. Um, and I don't know if you guys walk into Thanksgiving with a grateful heart for what God has been doing among us, but I mean to think that we are three years into this church plant and that we are moving to this new location where we have our friends in the neighborhood who are eagerly wanting us to come and tell other people about Jesus. Um, and to worship him and to make new disciples in a new location. I'm incredibly grateful to walk alongside you and to see what God's doing in our city and to be a part of that mission with you. Um, and as a part of it, as we make this transition uh, to our new location, um, there are going to be things that we uh, mess up and miss and have to have patience with each other with. And so that's why I want us to look at Colossians 2, this passage here tonight, because I want us to be focusing on how we can be cultivating gratitude in our hearts as we make this transition, Um, because uh, just as you are experiencing tonight, right, John is like the linchpin of the entire operation here, (laughs) and we are just kind of like all, we are in awe of his ability to set up the technical things, and we miss things as we're learning together, and John is fantastic, and we are hoping that as we have more mistakes along the way, we want to be grateful for what God's given us, and protecting each other by gratitude, and growing in Jesus together um, so that as we make more mistakes, which we will, uh, it's just kind of like, that's just the way the family goes, right? Every family has their problems, 
But as we join God's mission, I want us to be protecting our hearts with gratitude. And gratitude is how God has intended us to be strengthened in his mission. And I have to say, as we're looking at this passage, I wonder, um, I don't know uh, if it's just, I feel like sometimes I'm preaching sermons just for me. Like, hey, Jacob, you're an idiot and you need Jesus. And um, I think that God has something in this for me to strengthen my heart and gratitude as we join God's mission. And I hope he does for you. Because we're looking at Colossians 2, and as we're looking at Colossians, uh, Paul is writing a letter to this church that was on God's mission, joining him, right, in a Potunk town. Um, And they were joining God's mission, and they were under attack. And they were under attack from all these kind of uh, internal struggles that they had, and then also like false teaching that were going on around them. And uh, amidst all of that, Paul uh, begins at the beginning of his kind of like addressing like the main issue, right? Like if they're like uh, on C-SPAN or like the debate, like this is like after they get all the pleasantry stuff, they're making the transition into the meaty stuff. We're, we're just looking at their, the transition before he gets into the, the punches and the blows and the false teachers. But as he's making that transition, I think it's incredibly inf- important that he is, in, he is aiming at strengthening their mission their joining of God's mission in Colossae by grounding their hearts in Jesus to be grateful. That we protect each other, that we must spur each other on, as I think his main point, we must spur each other on to protect each other with gratitude. So we're going to be, how do we encourage each other? How do we make that happen? Right, this is going to be a real simple sermon tonight. We just had two points, and I know I don't have any slides, but the first point, how do we make, how do we encourage each other and strengthen each other in gratitude? The first thing we're going to be looking at in verses 1 through 5 is we encourage for rich hearts in Christ. I don't know if you're taking notes. We encourage for rich hearts in Christ, verses 1 to 5. Let me read these for us, and then we'll kind of take in what God's showing us here. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged. See, that's the word we're looking at. Encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I don't know if you've ever found church life hard. <laughs> like, it's hard to be around a bunch of sinners. Uh, like, the, like, the main reason we all come together is because we're, um, total, we're total failures in life, and we can't make it on our own, and we all need Jesus. Like, that's a great premise for horrible like family movie, right? It's just like, like we're all together and we don't know what we're doing and we're coming together to not know what we're doing together under Jesus. And uh, Paul starts out, he says, verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, right? If you have ever found church life hard, take courage. Paul found church life hard too, <laughs> right? He's like, I want you guys to be encouraging Jesus. I want you to know him. I want you to enjoy him and I want you to walk in him. And uh, I've given it all I got. <laughs> and... Uh, you guys are still struggling, right? He is laying everything he's got on the line to help them to grow in Jesus. Um, but he is not the solution, right? He is a tool. He is going to be laid out and used totally for Jesus' work. But, uh, and he's not going to fold back from saying, look, I struggle all the time for you to be encouraged in Jesus. Um, but I'm not the one who's going to fix you. Um, And I find it interesting that what he says is, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, right? His 
His purpose as a pastor, Paul was um, probably the best pastor that ever lived apart from Jesus. And his main aim was not so that everybody voted for the same person, that they all did their taxes exactly the same, that they all wore the same shirts and clothes from Old Navy, and that they all uh, shopped at the right grocery store and bought all their food from Aldi, right? Like he wasn't trying to get everything like in a cookie cutter format. He was going after their hearts. He wanted their hearts encouraged. That's his main aim was to say, I want heart knowledge. I want your heart to be encouraged. I want your heart to be satisfied. And what does he want it to be satisfied in? He, wanted to, he wants their hearts to be satisfied in Jesus. Right? And when he says all the riches of knowledge and, and uh, treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all that stuff is hidden up in Jesus, what that means when Paul says that, he says, I want you, I strive with everything I got to get you happy in Jesus because he is the source of all knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Basically, he is the meaning of life. <laughs> he gives you meaning. He gives you purpose. He gives you understanding. He gives you perspective on everything that's going on in your life and everything you're struggling with and everything you're hoping for. It all gets kind of reshaped and defined by Jesus. It does not mean that there's not true things outside of Christianity or there's not true things apart from Jesus, but all, all things that are true and wise and helpful all belong to Jesus and they are true and wise and helpful because Jesus is the truth, the wise one, the helper. He's the one that sources all of that stuff. And his main aim is to show them your source of life and joy isn't how clever and smart and strong and good you are. Everything that's encouraging about you is encouraging because it's true about Jesus. Right? He's trying to show them, look, everything that's good about you, everything that you enjoy, everything that's good, everything that you want to do, all the stuff that's true and good and wise and right about life, it's not because you're so great. It's because Jesus is so great. Because he wants their hearts, verse 2, he wants their hearts to be encouraged. He wants their hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love. And how do they do that knitting together in love? It's the life together that helps them to get the full assurance of understanding. What that means is um, your life together is going to take a long time. And over that period of time, you're going to help each other learn how to find, have hearts that are satisfied with Jesus and not things, satisfied with Jesus and not your marriage, satisfied with Jesus and not your kids, satisfied with Jesus and not your work, satisfied with Jesus and not your politics, satisfied with Jesus and not everything else. And it takes time, right? <laughs> the, the wisdom, of, the riches of, to reach the riches of full assurance, right? You see that phrase there, verse two, the re, to reach the riches of full assurance. Right? I think what he means by like full assurance is not just that like, I think we, would, we could all say, Jesus is great, right? Remember that shirt Ashton Kutcher had a few years ago? Jesus is my homeboy. Like, well, seems a little bit trite and kind of uh, undersells how awesome Jesus is. Jesus is great and true, but that's not just what Paul is trying to teach them. Paul is trying to teach them, Jesus is great and true for you. It's personal, right? It's not... It's not like Jesus is great and he's over there and he lives in this big castle in the sky and occasionally I send him his little prayer letters and he gets him and he reads them and he writes back a little prayer note and he sends it by the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus is great and true for you personally, right? It's for you and it's for me now. 
right? Paul says this. It's interesting how we, we sometimes like when we study doctrine and Bible a lot, it's like it's all like true up here, but it doesn't like affect us down here in the heart. And it's funny how Paul takes the, the cross over in Galatians 2, and he says, Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And in life I now live in the flesh, and I live by faith in the Son of God. And how does he comment on the, on the gospel? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, that's when Paul says over here in Colossians 2, right, I want, their, I want your hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding of God's mystery, which is Christ, right? I want your hearts to be satisfied in Jesus, because Jesus is not just great and true, he's true for you, personally. Right? I, uh, and he's, he's enough, right? I, it's funny, I was... Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard, uh, there's a syndrome that preachers will get. It's, uh, it's called the, the, the TSS syndrome. It's called This Sermon Stinks sermon Syndrome. And it typically happens to me on uh, like Thursday afternoons. <laughs> and so I'm texting David Pickney. I'm like, this sermon stinks. It's horrible. I, it's going to be horrible. Like, I, I just, it's going to be a foul ball. Um, and David texted back this. He said, so your encouragement isn't found in you. And he's talking about this passage, right? He looks at my passage I'm preaching on. He says, so your encouragement isn't found in you. How surprising. The mystery is hidden in Christ and not an awesome sermon. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this temptation to think, um, I'm happy when I'm doing great. I'm happy when things are going great. I'm happy when I'm doing great things. Um, and then when things go bad, I'm not doing great. I'm not doing well. Things are not going my way. Right, when Paul says, look, my struggle is for you to have hearts that are satisfied with Jesus, he knows that our temptation, uh, every week, we, you know, we'll gather together and worship, and then by, you know, for us, Sunday morning, or for most Christians who worship on Sunday mornings, by Monday morning, we're beginning to kind of veer towards, well, I'm, I'm happy, I'm encouraged, if my boss doesn't talk to me until Monday afternoon, <laughs> Or if the laundry all gets done and stays done and nobody has to do the laundry for the next week. Or if the groceries survive for the week. Or if the car doesn't break down this week. Or, you know, you could just go down all the things that we kind of like, you know, you're, you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to, to drop. That like kind of steals away some of our happiness and joy. And Paul is saying, no, I want you to understand. Jesus, there is all of God available to you with a smile and eager leaning in, available to you right now in Jesus, hour by hour, day by day, for all that you need. Yeah, you've got doubts, doubting, is this true or not? Jesus has patience for that. You have things that have gone on in the past, things that have not gone your way or things that have been done to you or things that you have done. Jesus is a, a patient doctor to, to lean in and heal you hour by hour, day by day. You, you don't know what to do with this week. The decisions that just can't, they're baffling. You can't understand the family situation, your marriage, your ex, the kids. It's all just kind of like it doesn't make any sense. Jesus has wisdom for you. Not just like general wisdom, but specific wisdom for your life. 
Which I think is why he says in verse 2, for their hearts to be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all these riches. Guys, it takes time. Jesus does not look at you and he's not disappointed in you and just kind of wishing that you were better, stronger, wiser, smarter. He wants you to be satisfied with him and he knows it's going to take time. Right? I think that when Paul says that, right, to reach the riches, that, that's a time, that just sounds like a time word to me, right? To reach it, it takes time to get to the top of a mountain. Right? Have you ever done any hiking in the White Mountains? It takes time to reach those, the top of them. But we're to do it together and we're trying to give each other more <laughs> of Jesus, right? Like, um, we want our hearts to be satisfied with Jesus, which I, I think is why there's a bit of like a, uh, a bit of a, a battle analogy going on in these verses we're looking at because you pick up in verse four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Guys, there are plausible arguments for every hour of your day, this coming week and this past week. <laughs> Ways that Jesus has blessed you and been there for you and strengthened you and encouraged you and sustained you by his spirit and through his people. And there are plausible arguments to explain it another way, right? Well, um, Jacob, you were down and then you took some vitamin D. And vitamin D is clearly like it's going to give you a better mood. And so it's not anything spiritual. It's just the vitamin D that hit your bloodstream and made you happier. Well, that might be a factor, but I think the, the deep underlying factor is that Jesus cares about me and he cares about you and he comes down and kisses our souls with truth. Like Jesus is not, it, it's easy to be deluded away from Jesus. And which is why I think he's saying this to the church. He's saying, look guys, there's a way of looking at everything that's gonna have a plausible argument. We need each other in our missional communities. So we gather together on Tuesday, Thursday nights. And we get together here to remind ourselves of the good, good story and to weave our souls again into that good story. So, how can we encourage each other to have rich hearts in Jesus? It's funny, you know, <clears throat> David, that text message, he, he finishes the text message off. He said, um, it's Jesus and not a great sermon that'll encourage people, don't be, don't be deluded, Jacob. <laughs> It's like, don't be deluded that your sermon's going to be the hottest thing off the press. How can we encourage each other to have rich hearts in Jesus? Right, when we come here, when we come Saturday night, so when we move in a couple weeks to Sunday morning, when we come here, and then we come to our small groups during the week, how about we come in with this, this question? How can I strengthen my brothers and sisters in the riches of Jesus? How can I strengthen, so that, to do this whole loving Jesus together? How can I walk in these doors thinking, how can I help another person love Jesus more? Now, don't, what that means is that does not necessarily mean you walk in and say, brother, tell me Romans 8. <laughs> or let me pray for you. Or some spiritual thing. It could just be sitting down and listening. Hey, tell me about your week. Tell me about your week. How, how's the week going? And how have you seen God provide for you? Or what, what have you seen God do in your life? But, you know, it's not like just coming in with like these like top 10 questions of like the best spiritual questions to ask. But how do we help each other? How do we move each other to remind each other like, no, you're not alone. Jesus has not forgotten you. He still died for you and he's still given you his spirit. 
He will sustain you. So how can we do this together? I know sometimes we come into church and it's like, look, I'm just trying to survive. And that's totally okay. But when we're, in our, when we're moving in, in spiritual health, I think it's a great question to be asking. How can I come in seeking to encourage another person in their soul in Jesus? Because the reality is, um, I'm going to let you down. Uh, the church is going to let you down. The person next to you is going to let you down. Jesus will never let you down. And so Paul's aim to encourage them to have rich hearts was to get more of Jesus in their hearts, get their hearts more filled with Jesus. By the way, if you want uh, a book for your Christmas list, um, the, Michael Reeves wrote a book, Rejoicing in Christ. I would put that on your, your Christmas list. It's like 14 bucks. Um, if you're like desperate, let me know. I'll buy it for you. But if you put it on your Christmas list and you get it and you're reading it Christmas afternoon, you will want to give me a big fat kiss because it's such a great book. Um, and I won't let you give me a big fat kiss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, get the book. It's fantastic. Michael Reeves is from England, and so he sounds like he's got a British accent, so it makes it even better. Um, but seriously, get that book. It's going to help you get more of Jesus down in your hearts. So how do we encourage each other? We help each other have rich hearts in Jesus. How do we encourage to have rich hearts in Jesus? Second thing that we're going to be looking at, and we'll finish up with this, is we encourage for protecting, for protected hearts in Christ. We encourage each other for protected hearts in Christ. So let me read verses six to eight. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Right, so the way that that Paul makes this transition is he says, here's your identity in Jesus. God's given you everything in Jesus. And now, that grace that you've been given, put it to work. Do something with that grace. Don't just sit there. Do something. And the the verb that he uses is he says, this is who you are in Jesus. God has loved you and blessed you and saved you in Jesus and he's made you a son and daughter of the living God, and he's invited you into his house, and he's promised you your name is written on the, the deed for the universe. <laughs> We're going to get everything thrown in, plus Jesus, Jesus plus everything else. I mean, everything else sounds fine. Jesus is great. And so what do you do with that grace, that new identity? Just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And so the way he fleshes that out, walking in him, Right, rooted, he uses this uh, farm term, right? Grow your roots down in Jesus. Put into action, how do, I, how do I get more of Jesus, right? So get that Michael Reeves book, right? Build up in him. How do, I, how do I develop a life that's structured around Jesus, right? Personal habits, daily habits, weekly habits, built in him and established in the faith, right? It's a legal term, like how do I walk in a sense of I am... I'm blessed by Jesus, I'm loved by the Father, and all that's going down around me is not the ultimate identity that I have. Right, and the result of those things, right, the result of grafting, or digging our lives down into Jesus, building around Jesus, walking with an identity under Jesus, so how does he end it? Abounding in thanksgiving. Right, you would expect Paul to maybe say, like, if you're going to be do, putting that grace to work, the things that follow are 
great deeds. You're going to do great things. You're going to plant a church. You're going you're to see 10 million people saved. You're going to build this coliseum to Jesus' glory. You're going to feed a million orphans. You're going to save a bunch of people off the street. That's not, those are things that Jesus loves to see. But the main aim of what he's aiming at is a felt attitude, right? It's a daily attitude. It's a felt attitude of abounding in thanksgiving. It's our functional attitude of gratitude. I, I know that preachers have a thing of like rhyming words together, and I can't help it that like attitude and gratitude go together. But like it's a felt attitude of gratitude on a daily basis with Jesus. And again, remember how we were talking about there's a bit of like this battle mentality going on here that, look, be on guard. So he said, right, verse four, right, I say this in order no one may delude you. So he's just shout out, this is what it means to be a life encouraged with riches in Jesus. And then this is where we're looking at the protection word because in verse eight, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. That, little, that phrase, see to it that no one takes you captive. I mean, literally, like it's a, it's a pirate phrase. <laughs> It's like, make sure that no one takes you as like ill-gotten booty. You know what I'm talking about? Like ill-gotten gains, like uh, uh, Johnny Depp going and taking treasure, like that sort of picture. Like that's the picture. That's literally the picture he's using here. See to it that no one takes you captive, right? Um, And it's not, when he says like by philosophy, like he's not saying like um, all those philosophy classes you took in college or those philosophy books are bad. Um, he's not saying, uh, he's not saying that you should never like read non-Christian books (laughs) or non-Christian philosophers or anything like that. What he is saying is basically all the ways that people have mental structures or, uh, worldview or perspectives that begin to shift Jesus out of the center focus, right? They've been displaced Jesus from the, from the focus should be avoided, Right? Make sure that you don't get captured by these perspectives that would shift Jesus out of the center of your functional life. And I think, just kind of, just to throw this out there, you guys can consider this and we could talk about it, but I think that one of the main ways that we are captivated by the, by the philosophy of the world or the, the, uh, what he calls right, the, the elemental spiritual of the world according to human tradition, I think cynicism in our functional daily lives is a, is a big deal of how we are shifting away from having a Jesus-centered daily perspective, right? So if cynicism is right, this kind of like negative, kind of like, uh, about life, you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, he gave her a rose, but, you know, he was just trying to like pay her off or like he, he didn't really love her or, yeah, God promises good gifts to his kids, but he hasn't loved me today and I haven't seen any money come in the mail or like all politicians are crooked, um, like this kind of like cynicism of like there's there's a sense of of good things, but there's always a negative underbelly to it. You guys know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like here's the thing, Jesus owns everything, <laughs> right? Like and Jesus died and rose from the dead. Like if Jesus rose from the dead, I mean he was a stone cold dead body for three days, and if he rose from the dead, then really the reality is that yeah things could get really dark and bad, but if if Jesus rose from the dead, it's not going to stay bad. <laughs> like, it's going to eventually, Jesus owns everything. He is going 
to be there and raise everything out of the darkness and out of the shadows and out of the gunk at the end. And if Jesus is alive right now, like, yeah, things might not be the way they seem, but they're not going to be bad forever. Maybe I should have written some more out on this, but I just think that Jesus, I think the cynicism is a way in which we are tempted to divert Jesus away. Because what cynicism does, right, cynicism numbs our soul to the world and it begins to say, my perspective on the world is more true and more insightful. And the is like, well, it might be insightful, but Jesus is the one that's in control. And if you're giving into cynicism, you're beginning to shift yourself into the center of the picture for truth and reality rather than seeing everything under Jesus. So just to throw this out there, I think it's something we need to think about and talk more about. But gratitude, to get back to kind of this whole gratitude thing, gratitude is a language of grace. To the extent that we lack gratitude as a functional reality for our lives, we are drifting from being focused on Jesus. Right? Guys, Jesus did not have to save us. <laughs> Jesus was not thinking, all those horrible people who have rejected me, um, they just need to be saved. No, he, he wanted to save us. He wanted to. The Father and Jesus said, no, I want these, these sinners who reject us and hate us to become a part of my family. But he didn't need to. So everything else is like, look, we've been saved from the wrath of God for all eternity. Uh, we've been saved to become sons and daughters of the living God. And everything is going to be okay in the end. <laughs> like, gratitude is the language of grace when we just say, like, God, I, I have more than I could have ever hoped for. I have a God who cares about me now and currently and presently. Right, so we have to, verse 8, right, see to it. See to it. Remember this language of how in verse uh, 4, uh, or I'm sorry, verse 2, right, we have to reach the full, the, all the riches of full assurance, right? This is, a, this is kind of like the matching phrase. See to it, right? Make sure, encourage each other, come in and strengthen each other in Jesus because what you're doing is you're protecting each other from the drift of our own hearts, the, the gravity of our culture around us, to say Jesus is not the center, right? John Piper has this phrase where he says, gratitude is the completion of encouragement, Right? We want to encourage each other. We have to use words, just so you know, like on all your introverts in the room. Like, you got to use your words. <laughs> and all you extroverts in the room, you got to use the right words, okay? So it cuts both ways, <laughs> right? But you got to use words. Like, if you want to encourage each other and strengthen each other's souls in Jesus, like, follow Paul's example. Use literal words. <laughs> like, just say to me, looking at each other's lives, say, okay, what do I see God doing, right? If you're thinking, in verse 6 and 7, here's what Jesus is doing in each other's lives. How am I seeing my brothers and sisters? How, how am I seeing the people in the room? How am I seeing them walk faithfully in Jesus, right? You realize that Jesus died. He shed his blood so that people in this room could have a heart for Jesus and care about Jesus and walk with Jesus. Like, that's not no small thing. So the way you encourage that is to say, you know what? I see Jesus working in you. And I want to see Jesus, I want, I want you to know, I see Jesus helping you be faithful. I see Jesus helping you grow deeper in him. I see Jesus helping you, you know, begin to shape your life around him. I see Jesus helping you grow in your knowledge of the faith. Right? And, and use words to tell that person. 
Because when we do that, when we say, hey, I see Jesus in your life. I see what Jesus is doing. You are, you're doing what he says, see to it and no, no one takes you captive, right? You're protecting people from getting dragged away by the Johnny Depp spiritual life, right? Like you're protecting them from being, from being dragged away by all these deceitful realities and these false narratives and these false stories, right? We all live with this narrative in our head of, of like, uh, woe is me, um, I'm a horrible person, or maybe if you have a, a, a big fat head, you think you're the best person in the world, right? Like we all have this, this false narrative in our head, and what we need is somebody from the outside in our, in our family and Jesus to say, here's what I see Jesus doing, right? And don't get full of yourself too, because it's Jesus and not you. I think, let me just kind of, we'll, we'll end with this thought. How, can, how would your disposition change if you intentionally listed off just one thing that Jesus has given you today? Right, if you end it each day, uh, we've talked about in our missional community having a thankfulness jar. Hey, could you guys hold me accountable for that? Because I really want to have like a regular basis of like, I'm just saying like, here's what Jesus has done for me today. How would your attitude change at a functional level, on a daily level, if you just said, here's what Jesus has given me this week. On Monday... He sustained me when that person cut me off in traffic from yelling at them. <laughs> right. Some of you failed that test. On Tuesday, he helped me go to missional community even though I didn't want to go. Um, on Wednesday, uh, when I wanted to yell at my kids and get angry at them, he helped me have a gentle heart. Or when I failed, he forgave me. On Thursday, you know, you could go down the list every day. What has Jesus given you today? Because a part of this is we want to keep a record to be able to like say, like, God, you've been good to me. Like when we sing this song, you know, 10,000 Reasons, like, let's have a list of 10,000 things. Guys, just so you know, like as a part of our history of the life of the church, we're about to do a meal after the service. Next week will be 111 meals that we've done together. I counted it up. Guys, that is 111 meals of hard work, right? Mostly by Heather and Michelle and Jen, putting hard work into putting this food together on a weekly basis, it, organizing it. I mean, for heaven's sake, it is hard work to organize you guys to put a meal together. But you do it. It is amazing that God has given us this work to be able to, to, be able to do this together, right? We can say, Jesus, you've been good to us. We've shared 111 meals together, right? Claudette, she's not doing well. But we can say, Jesus, you've been good to us to help us walk beside her and her family. You've given us the grace to walk beside her, right? We've had family issues going on. Jesus, you've been good to so-and-so and so-and-so of how you have provided them faith for the challenges that have gone on with the legal battles. You've, gone, you've given us faith for the daily challenges of not having kids around. God, you have been good to provide us jobs. You've been good to provide us with places to live and warm, you know, warm houses to live in. Jesus, you've given us people that they care about us and want to tell us about Jesus to walk beside us. Like we could go down the list, guys. Let's make a list of like 10 to 15 things by, by Thanksgiving Day. So that when we come together, I mean, it's great to be able to say, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this food. You know, amen. Go team. Thank you, Jesus. But what if we were a little bit more specific? I was really struggling with depression or I was really struggling with my faith, or I was really struggling to trust Jesus, or I, I saw Jesus provide, you know, whatever. 
And they have like 10 or 15 things we walk into Thanksgiving dinner and say, Jesus, I feast on your goodness and the way I do that, the way I, I live out that drama is by sucking down this turkey right now. You know? If we, it would change our functional attitude if we considered what has Jesus given us and then the way we do this together is we protect each other from each other <laughs> by helping stir gratitude in each other for what Jesus has given us. We protect each other through cultivating gratitude. And we acknowledge and celebrate just the goodness of who Jesus is when we draw attention to it in each other's lives. All right, let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you for this passage and we thank you for all that you've given us. God, you have been good to us. Jesus, you have been kind to us. So, Father, would you continue to satisfy us with all the riches of full assurance, just to know how good you are to us, that you're there and you care about us and it's personal. And Father, would you help us to protect each other by continually pointing to how good Jesus is on a daily basis in our lives. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.